Hello, and welcome to the Heartbeat of the Pro-Life Ministry podcast. If you're wondering, what happened to the myth-busting the Pregnancy Resource Center podcast? Rest assured, you're in the right place. For various reasons, Myth-Busting the Pregnancy Resource Center now has a new name, but still has educational and inspirational content for you. I appreciate your patience with this change. You can find the Heartbeat of the Pro-Life Ministry podcast online at theheartbeatpodcast.net. Now here is today's episode of the Heartbeat of the Pro-Life Ministry podcast. The topic of this episode is what pregnancy resource centers may share with clients about being sexually abstinent until marriage. There's no explicit language in this episode. However, if you have littles and you're not quite ready with having a conversation with them about this topic, you may want to save this episode until later. Welcome to Myth Busting, the Pregnancy Resource Center podcast, where we'll bust some myths and tell the truth about what really happens at that pregnancy resource center down the street. My name is Beth Bissonette, and I've been an executive director for a pregnancy resource center for over 22 years. I'm going to help you get to know your faith-based, family, pre-born baby, and women-focused pregnancy center so that you can put your pro-life belief into positive action. Let's get into today's episode. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you the reasons why pregnancy resource centers are having conversations with our clients about being sexually abstinent. Today, I'm going to tell you about Miranda and Todd. They came into the pregnancy center wanting a free pregnancy test. I remember I was sitting in my office that day when the doorbell rang, which signifies that somebody has entered into our waiting room. I walked into the front office reception window, and there stood a very young couple. Miranda had already called to schedule the appointment for a free pregnancy test. I helped Miranda fill out her forms, which we get every client to complete, and I brought her into the counseling room by herself. We always take clients into the counseling room by themselves so that they can feel free to answer questions and be honest about what's going on with their life without somebody else in their life hearing what it is they have to say. And so Miranda and I chatted. I explained to her the pregnancy test procedure and what we were going to do. I asked her what she felt and what she thought about the possibility of being pregnant. And she said that she was very afraid. They hadn't planned on having sex, her and her boyfriend, and they certainly weren't planning on having a baby. And she said that she was undecided about what she wanted to do about her pregnancy. I discussed with her abortion procedures and risks, and we sat together and chatted as the pregnancy test ran for those very long three minutes. And during our conversation, Miranda shared with me that she attended the local church, that she was a Christian, and that she and Todd attended the youth group there together. I asked her how she felt about the fact that they were sexually active, and she said that she and Todd had talked about it, 
and that she felt like because God was a forgiving God, that no matter what they did, God would forgive them for doing so. I asked Miranda if it was okay at that point if I brought Todd into the room, and she agreed. Todd came in, and he sat down in the chair opposite me as Miranda was sitting in the chair to my left. Todd looked very nervous. The bell rang on the timer, signaling that the pregnancy test was ready to be read. I told the two of them that as they looked at the pregnancy test, one pink line means that the test is negative. Two pink lines means that the test is positive. I showed them the test results. One pink line. Miranda and Todd were visibly relieved at the results of the pregnancy test. Now I sat there and I thought, now I need to do a little bit more education and have a conversation with these two young people. I said to Todd, I said, Miranda tells me that the two of you aren't too comfortable with having sex before marriage, but that you know that God is going to forgive you for whatever you do. Is that correct? And he said, yes. I asked the two of them, I said, are you engaged to be married? And they said, no. I said, do you have plans to get married in the future? And Todd said, well, we haven't really talked about that yet. I said, well, what do you think? Do you think that you'll get married? And Miranda said, I don't know. I said, well, for the sake of this conversation, let's say that you don't get married. Let's say that at some point you break up and Todd, your future wife's name is Sue. And today, Sue is dating Steve. And Sue and Steve tonight are going to have sex. So Steve is having sex with your wife. He sat there and he looked at me with this puzzled look on his face. And I said, well, think about it. I said, if you, the two of you don't get married and Sue is going to be your wife, how do you feel about the fact that Steve is having sex with your wife? And it dawned on him. I could see that look of clarity on his face. And he said, well, I guess I'd be pretty mad about that. I said, well, Miranda is not going to marry you. Let's say her future husband is Steve. Miranda, how do you feel about the fact that your husband is having sex with somebody else? And she said, well, I don't really like that idea. Well, let me share some scripture with you. And I pulled up 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And I read this to them aloud. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God, as we have taught you. You live this way already and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God in his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. 
Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. The two of them sat there, looking at me, and I could see the wheels turning in their in their minds. And Todd, since you're having sex with Miranda, that means you're having sex with somebody else's wife. And according to this scripture that I read to you, it's very clear that you're not supposed to do that. And the same goes for you, Miranda, when you think about it. You're having sex with Todd, but you're actually having sex with somebody else's husband. Can you see how that works? Now, I don't talk to this. I don't talk this way to everyone who comes in through the door for our services, I told them. But you too, you know the word of God. And so I'm just sharing scripture with you to get you to think, pray, and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Now, you may be thinking, but I don't know, Sue. I don't know, Steve. I don't know if they're the ones that that I'm going to marry. No, you don't know, but God does. He already knows your life. He already knows his plans for you. And so he knows who the person is that he has chosen for you to be with for the rest of your life. I asked them, you already told me that you were scared coming in and doing this pregnancy test for fear that you were pregnant. Do you want to be in this position again? Do you want to be in this office again, fearful for another pregnancy scare? And they both said, no, no, we don't want that. But then go out and stop having sex before marriage. It's not God's plan for you. And it will bring harm to you. Make that decision today. Just because you've already been sexually active doesn't mean you have to continue down the road. You can make a commitment today to be abstinent, and I would encourage you to do so. I asked them if they understood the message that I was trying to convey to them. They shook their head yes. We need to do better, they said to one another. I agreed. I said, yes, and you can. The Holy Spirit gives you what you need to make right decisions before God. They left that day with the assurance that God loves them and that they can do better. At Pregnancy Resource Centers, it's important for us to share with our clients why they should be sexually abstinent, whether they know the Lord or not. It's not healthy for them spiritually, emotionally, or physically. At Haven Pregnancy Services and many other pregnancy centers, we had abstinence education programs in the schools. We would have somebody go in and do presentations. It is very, very difficult now in this environment to get into the school systems to do abstinence education. But it has always been difficult to get into the churches, to get into the youth groups to do abstinence education programs. I read an article and I wish I had kept it handy because I can't remember which magazine it was out of. So I can't share that with you. I remember in the article, it was written by an organizer of an abstinence education program 
that they were going into Christian universities with and presenting abstinence education to the students. And this article said that they had gone to this one Christian university. It wasn't the only one that they had this experience with, but the administrators said, no, our students are Christians. They're not having sex. We don't need an abstinence program. And so in this one instance, the educators of the program started having a conversation with the students and asking them, are you sexually active? And they discovered that the students were sharing with them that they had a code system that they were using. If the male student wanted to have sex with the female, he would ask her, would you like to go out and get tacos? Yep, tacos. And she would say, no, I don't want to go out for tacos if she didn't want to have sex. Or if she did, she would say, yes, I would like to have tacos and I like lettuce and tomatoes on my tacos. And that signified what kind of sex she was willing to have. So while Christians think that our youth may not be sexually active, and a lot of them aren't, believe me, a lot of them are. And having conversations with them about the health reasons, spiritually, physically, and emotionally, why abstinence until marriage is the best choice is vital. We need to be having these conversations. And at Pregnancy Resource Centers, It's one of the things that we strive to do. Now, I've had conversations with Christian parents who've come into the center wanting to know if we have birth control for them to give their kids, their their teens. And the conversation that I try to have with them is to kind of put this into context. We know from research that teenagers don't make great decisions because their brains are not fully developed until they're sometime in their 20s. And I say to the parents, if your teen is starting to drive and you're saying to your teen, do not drink and drive ever. Don't drink and drive. And we expect our youngsters to obey that, right? Don't drink and drive. We expect that they're not going to drink and drive. Now, would you tell your teenager, look, I know that you're going to drink and drive. So when you drink and drive, please just wear your seatbelt. You know, that will protect you a little bit from from harm. So I know you're going to do it anyway. So please just wear your seatbelt when you drink and drive. Basically, what we're doing is we're saying the same thing when it comes to being sexually active. Look, I don't want you, Susie, to be sexually active, but I know you're going to. And so I'm going to help you get birth control. I'm going to help you get condoms or birth control pills or whatever, because I know you're going to do it anyway. And I just want you to be safer when you do it. And I know you're saying, okay, Beth, drinking and driving is nothing in comparison to being sexually active. Well, think about it. If she gets a sexually transmitted infection like chlamydia, which often does not have symptoms. And so if she gets chlamydia and doesn't get treated, she could become sterile so that when she's older and she gets married and she wants to have children, she may not be able to do that because there's so much scarring in her fallopian tubes that she's unable to conceive. What about spiritual harm? What about emotional harm? There is harm that happens to our youth when we say, 
look, we don't want you to have sex, but we know you're going to do it anyway. And so just protect yourself. Now, it's important to realize that condoms don't prevent the transmission of all sexually transmitted infections. They just reduce the risk. Pregnancy resource centers don't provide birth control. For a married couple, we always refer them to their health care provider. We need to be smart about this. Yes, sometimes we have conversations with our youngsters, with our teenagers, and we say, this is what I expect from you. I expect you to not do this dangerous activity. But then they get to make their own decision. But it's still our responsibility to teach them the right way. Do you know that statistically, a Christian teenage girl is more likely to have an abortion than a non-Christian teenage girl? The reason for that is because she doesn't want her parents to know that she's sexually active. She doesn't want her church to know that she's pregnant. And so she's more likely to have an abortion. Let's teach our youth how much God loves them. It's not rules to keep them from having fun. It's the love of God in scripture that tells them what is best for them. Let's encourage them to treat themselves well by not being sexually active. I've had conversations with clients, young women who've come in and their pregnancy test is negative. And I say to them, your sexuality is a gift. It is something that belongs to you and it is precious. Think about how you're giving that gift away. Society wants to tell you that sex gives you power. Having sex with guys is powerful. But actually, the opposite is true. The power comes when you say, I am worth waiting for. I want to wait for my husband. You're precious. Your gift of sexuality is precious. Don't just give it away to anybody. And imagine on your wedding night, if your husband said to you, I've been saving myself for you. What a great gift that would be. So treat yourself as precious in God's sight. I know this is not maybe a popular topic for me to be talking about, and it's a tough one. You know, I I kind of grappled and, and tried to make a decision. Should I be saying all of these things? But I want to make sure that you know, from the pregnancy center's point of view, what we're telling women who come in. And this is one of the things that we tell them. Sex before marriage is not good for you. And this is why. We don't want you to come in fearful because you're in an unexpected pregnancy and then possibly have an abortion. We don't want that for you. If you're in agreement with anything that I've said today, please share this podcast with people that you know, with pro-life Christians that you're not sure if they know about the work that the Pregnancy Center is doing. It's not easy to share your pro-life view today. Sometimes we wind up in in very difficult conversations with people that we think would be pro-life, but then they're telling us that we're wrong in our pro-life views. 
So if you want to put your pro-life view into action and you want to do something about it and you're wondering, what? What do I do? I want to see babies saved. I want to see women's lives changed for the better. Get involved with your local pregnancy center. You can go to the website mythbustingtheprc.com and find all of the episodes for this podcast and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for spending time with me again today. And remember, your life is precious.